Hey, welcome everyone. I'm glad you're joining with us online this weekend, uh, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday morning that you're watching us. We're glad you're here. And we just say too, if you have a chance to phone someone and invite them to share along with us, that'd be great. So we welcome you to do that as we dive in. We're beginning a new series uh, this weekend, and uh, this series is going to run through probably till sometime in December. And uh, the staff put some time together, came up, was thinking through some themes and so on to go through, and they've landed on which I think is a really brilliant theme, and that is having the heart of Jesus. So we're going to talk about what that means in just a second, but we're, we want to focus in on being like Jesus, and we're saying that to us as a church, but we'd also say that to you that are watching. Uh, think about living your life in a way that Jesus would live and how that relates to other people. So be thinking about that. With some of the problems going on in the world today, it'd be good if we were taking better care of each other and not just focused on our own thoughts. So being more like Jesus, having the heart of Jesus. And uh, the kind of the undercurrent theme of that is being more like him to lead more to him. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. So the transformed heart and mind, um, uh, taking on the image of Christ, becoming like Christ. Um, <clears throat> we're actually, it's kind of crazy, we're starting a series by talking about the ending. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the end of the life of Jesus and something that he said, his parting comments, which we know speak volumes about what his heart was about. And I'm going to read them, part of them, out of the gospel, Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel. And these are like his final marching orders, which say a great deal about what was going through his heart. So follow with me if you want. We're going to go to Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, and then we're going to go to Mark, chapter 16. So reading from Matthew's gospel, it says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, human struggles. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority is given to me on heaven and earth. Uh, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Just remember that. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So the marching orders. This is what I want you to do. In Mark's gospel, he says this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, to everyone. Go and preach. And whoever believes, uh, they will be, and is baptized, they'll be saved. But those who don't believe will be condemned. So again, his, his parting comments are, Get out there and communicate to people who need to know me as their Savior. As I said, it's kind of crazy to start at the end, but we're really doing that intentionally. We want to start with this great commission and think about what, that's, what he said to us. This is after his, his arrest. He was, he was crucified. He died. He was buried. He was resurrected. Then he said these things. So we're picking it up at the end of his life on earth. So when we say we want to be more like him, we want to have his heart, what kinds of things are we talking about? What does it mean to, when you talk about what somebody has in their heart? Well, I think it's things like, what's your passion? What's your focus? What, what's in your attitudes? It's part of your character. 
It's your purpose. Like, what's, what's your purpose in life? Uh, what do you care about? It's interesting. You hear people talk about some folks you meet in the church or even outside the church. They've got such a heart for kids. Maybe it's a local hockey coach who just goes the extra mile to help his kids. He's got a heart for kids. Uh, when you say they're like certain teachers, and God bless the teachers right now. What a, what a challenging time to be a teacher, but what a great time to be a teacher as well, to be an influencer uh, of young lives. But you'll say, well, that, that's a great teacher. They have a heart for kids. So when we're saying having a heart, the heart of Jesus, we want to have that, whatever that is that drove him, we want to have that in us. Uh, the Bible says that uh, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. So what you have inside, that's what always comes out. Sometimes we see some negative things come out of our, li- out of our mouths or out of our lives. Yeah, that's what's in there. We need to think about that. There's some unhealthy things sometimes inside of us. So what's in the heart of Christ? What drives Jesus? Well, simply, it's a love for the lost. Now, there's some great stories in the Bible. Uh, two that I want to mention are, one is the story of Zacchaeus, a little guy, you know. He, he, you know the Bible story, he couldn't get in the, through the crowd to see Jesus, so he climbed up in a tree, and Jesus saw him, recognized him, called him down, invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, and, uh, you know, Zacchaeus is just excited that Jesus would come by, and Jesus says this in, uh, in, the, in one of the gospel writings in Luke 19. He says, uh, today salvation has come to this house because this man, is, is, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He came with the purpose of seeking and saving the lost. Now in Luke's uh, 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, uh, the, the tax collectors and the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus. They were following him. They were listening to what he said. They wanted to be with him. Uh, and the Pharisees, the religious people, were seeing this, and they were, they were kind of fussed about it, and they muttered about it. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And they, they're looking at it as the most despicable thing you could do. He's hanging out with those people. You can just see the way they would say it. They despised these wretched lost people. And so they, when Jesus was with them, they, they, they criticized him for being such a poor judge of character that you would hang out with these people. But Jesus responds to, their, to the way they're talking and the way they're feeling inside. He reads them and he gives them a parable. And now a parable is a teaching that Jesus would give that when you hear it, it starts a conversation in your brain, so to speak. It, it makes you think about what's being said and you, you find yourself putting, you put yourself in the imaginary story that he's telling, this parable, and uh, it pulls you in and you start thinking about yourself in context of the story. So he says, now listen, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost wouldn't you leave the hundred, the ninety-nine safe and go seeking after the lost? And he said, when the shepherd does that and he searches for the lost, when he finds it, he rejoices. 
And, and he's excited. He picks the sheep up, he puts it on his shoulders, and he carries it back to safety. And he's just glad of heart because he's found this lost sheep. And he said, don't you realize that there is a, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one who is lost, who is found, than over 99 who think they have no problems? Now, he's being a little sarcastic with them, but the 99 they're supposedly safe Jesus rejoices over finding the one who is lost. So we need to think about that. What, what drives the heart of Jesus? Lost people. He's seeking lost people. And as we're watching, we're sharing this service online, uh, we can know that right now as we're sitting listening to TV, watching the program, in the city of Regina, in the province of Saskatchewan, wherever, wherever you are, Jesus is seeking a lost sheep right now. He's searching. And one of the ways that he would search for the lost sheep is through us. As we take on his heart, we too become someone who is seeking the lost. We, we become aware of and concerned about people who are lost, who are spiritually lost. Now there's a song we sing in church as sometimes it's called Reckless Love. And uh, the words of the song go something like this. Uh, Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. Uh, you've been so, so good to me. Uh, before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You've been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, uh, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. Uh, leaves the ninety and nine. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you gave yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah, he must, he must have been listening to this, this parable. Leaves the ninety and nine and goes seeking the one that's lost. The, the reckless love of God causes him to sacrifice himself and then to go seeking for those who are lost. What's the heart of God? Well, it's a heart that seeks after the lost. What would the heart of Jesus show up like? What would it look like in a church prayer meeting? If Jesus was in a prayer meeting in our church or in your home with you, what would that what would the flavor of the prayer meeting be? Now, a man who wrote a book on prayer called it a trans, uh, transforming prayer, uh, life transforming prayer, uh, Mr. Henderson, um, he, he did kind of a survey of what people were praying about in prayer meetings. And uh, it was in an American setting, so a little bit different culture, but very much similar to ours. And it went something like this. Uh, 6% of the uh, time uh, the prayers offered were for they were unspoken. They just, I have an unspoken request. That's fine. Uh, 4% were for the nation and for the political climate, political leaders, 4%. Uh, missions, 5%. That's a little concerning, right? Uh, church events, programs, ministries, 50%. For the illness and health and well-being of the Christian people, mostly, that uh, was about 23%. And because in the American culture it's a bigger deal for the military people, the servicemen and women, uh, for wars that may be going on and conflicts, 6% of the prayer. And then 6% of the prayer was invested 
praying for the lost. Now, knowing that the heart of Jesus is so focused on the lost, how can it be that our prayer meetings have a very, very small percentage or if even any time spent praying for people who don't know Jesus? Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, there's a line in there that says this, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Ask of me. So somehow incorporated into the great gospel endeavor of God is the need for people to be praying. And I can ask a question too, and it sounds like we're being critical, but I'm not being critical. I understand the realities of church life. Trust me, I've been doing this a long time. But sometimes you, you stop and think. You think, how much money and effort and energy do we spend on reaching the lost people of our city? Hmm. We need to think about that. Now there's... Uh, the songs that we sing, uh, this beautiful song we just mentioned, Reckless Love, uh, there's nothing wrong with this because we need a healthy concept. It says, you were, you were singing over me, uh, you breathed your life into me, uh, you fought for me, and you paid it all for me, or that's in that song. And that's, that's good. We need to know that. So it's kind of re- referencing back to when we became Christians, and we're rejoicing in the fact that he reached us and saved us. We need to transfer that into thinking about the lost people. Um, There's a hymn. It's an old anthem of the faith. It's quite old. I I don't think I've ever really sang it in a church family setting, but I know it's a a great song that many people would love and honor. And it's written by Fanny Crosby, who was quite a... She's a very prolific writer of Christian music. She wrote lots of songs. Uh, and here's how this song goes. And just, just listen. I, I'm not going to sing it for you, uh, but I'll just read you the words. It says, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and grave. Weep over the erring one. Lift up the fallen. fallen tell them of Jesus, mighty to save. Though they are slighting him, still he is waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, plead with them gently. He will forgive if they will only believe. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, cords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, duty demands it. Strength for the labor the Lord will provide, back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer, the Savior has died. Uh, the, the refrain is, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. But just back to that first line. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Uh, snatch them in pity from sin and grave. Weep or over the the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them Jesus, tell them about Jesus, the mighty to save. The praying and the telling, two things combined become a powerful source, force, pardon me. And I just want to say to us today that I'm encouraging you to do two things. Pray for people that you know in your circle of friendship, family, neighbor sports, hobbies, whatever, any connections you've got with people, think about the people you know. And if they don't know Jesus, as far as you can tell, they don't know Jesus, would you pray for them? Would you faithfully pray for them? And also, would we be brave enough to begin to tell people 
the gospel. Share the gospel with people. Let's bow together and pray. Lord Jesus, today we want to just sort of park ourselves for a second and we want to just talk to you. And Jesus, we're going to ask you something. We're going to ask you to put upon our hearts and into our minds people that we should be praying for who really need to know you or to know you better. And Lord, if there's even someone watching this right now and they, they know in their heart that they really don't know you, they don't know what it means to invite you into their life, they, they don't know what it means to, to realize that they have sin and that they need to have some that, that needs to be reckoned with, that Lord, that you paid for that, you paid the penalty for it. So Lord, if that's someone today, we just pray you would speak into their life. But Lord, the rest of us that know you, we need to have that list in our heart and mind and on our fridge door, people that we're praying for. But also, Lord, we just pray that you'd put your Holy Spirit upon us. If we read the book of Acts correctly, it says that we would receive power to become a witness. We'd receive Holy Spirit power to be, to be a, an effective teller of the gospel. And so, Lord, we ask you this morning, today, that you would touch us by your Holy Spirit and give us the boldness, the discernment, give us the words to share that we can become proclaimers of the gospel. So, Lord, more of your heart. We want more of the heart of Jesus in our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.